ACR Bulletin Podcast, the show where we examine the latest trends affecting radiology. I'm your host, Chris Hobson, and today we'll be talking with Samir B. Patel, MD, FACR. Dr. Patel is Value Management Program Founder and Director at Radiology, Inc. in Mishawaka, Indiana. He also sits on the Board of Directors of Beacon Health System, the region's largest locally owned and operated nonprofit healthcare system. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Chris, for the opportunity. Can't believe it's been eight years since you and I first uh, spoke about this, our value management program, and uh, quite a journey it's been. Absolutely, and that's a real testament to success, it's, that it stayed, and, and not only stayed, but evolved in, in, over those years. So I'd love to talk to you more about it today. I mean, just to give our audience some background, like you said, eight, eight years ago is when I was first introduced to the concept of the uh, radiology value added matrix. I think it's been around a little bit longer than that. Um, can you please describe what the matrix is and what it's used for? Yeah, sure. So radiologists perform so many activities unrelated to image interpretation, uh, especially now compared to even now 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so to how to uh, succinctly capture and synthesize potentially define and categorize all those things that radiologists do. And so the matrix was sort of the genesis of all those, of basically compiling all the things that we do into um, a categorization that physicians and clients can help better understand what we bring to the healthcare enterprise. Excellent. So important these days. Now, um, you, if you could go a little deeper into the original impetus behind the value uh, added matrix, because it's such an interesting story. I know it, but I, I don't know how many of our audience members will. Um, what, I guess, to start us off, what problem were you trying to solve at that, at that time? I guess we're talking 2010 or so, right? Absolutely. And um, unfortunately, not only in medicine, but in life, sometimes significant innovation occurs at a time of potential crisis, uh, discomfort, and pain. And for our practice, even though our practice had been in existence since 1904, well over 100 years, uh, sometimes the perception is the value that one brings to a healthcare system, referring physicians, clients, needs to always continually to be innovative and shown. But the problem with our practice during that particular time was we were doing a lot of things, but their perception of hospital leadership and members of the medical staff, their perception was, and what they quote saw was we would just come in, interpret images and go home. And really beyond that, people did not have a great understanding. And so in fact, we were being felt as to be a commodity, easily replaceable potentially. And so that was sort of the genesis of the matrix and really categorizing what we actually brought to everybody. Yes, and one kind of handy dandy, I guess you'd call it almost a scorecard attached to kind of a, a larger, more in-depth report. Uh, and that's, uh, I guess um, you share that annually, correct? Uh, uh, maybe not. I know COVID kind of threw things probably off for everybody in the world, but in the best of times annually, right? Is when you Absolutely. share that. And, you know, when I first generated this in 2012 and then showcased it to hospital leadership in the C-suite, as well as some uh, key medical staff members in the C-suite, it was, oh my gosh, we didn't know all this was occurring. And uh, the 
president at that time of the largest hospital in our health system stated, if we would have seen this potentially from the beginning, we would have probably never have had uh, an adversarial engagement during that time. And ever since then, we showcase an annual report to our key C-suite members across all of our hospitals. And COVID last year obviously put a delay in generation of the report. And validation of the program comes from two fronts. One is the CEO of Beacon Health System looks forward to this report every year because he knows there's always going to be something new in there. And it's typically the best report he gets because oftentimes reports tend to have negative connotation from other departments and everything. This is really is a great story to share. And then the president of one of our other hospitals because of COVID was, hey, I remember getting this report every year. I was just curious if I was going to get it this year. Mm. And that was last year during COVID. So it's, and yet uh, it was it's delayed. In demand. <laughs> Absolutely. So wow. me, that was validation that our largest client and key members of their C-suite really enjoy the report and puts our practice in a tremendous uh, great light, not mm -hmm. only with them, but also with the medical staff because it just diffuses throughout the system. That's so interesting. And, uh, and I'll foreshadow, uh, I'm gonna promote at the end, uh, a couple of case studies we've done on, on this very subject. And uh, the, the subject of one, one interviewee I talked to for that uh, was uh, Mr. Craig Gruber, who's the CEO of the health system, correct? That's Be correct. Beacon Health System. And he uh, really said something so interesting, which is, uh, and I wanna see if this resonates with you, um, you know, just the opportunity for practice leaders to get in front of members of the C-suite just to get that meeting, just to, you know, um, acculturate yourself to that environment and, and have like a, I don't want to call it a standing media every year, but an opportunity every year to be in front of them to show your, your growth. I mean, he, he said that that was so valuable. I'd be interested to know how, how you think about that if similarly or. No, absolutely. And I think one of the things is, is continuous innovation on an annual basis is so important. And that was, I think, where we sort of fell short um, a decade ago where we were really doing some things, but we weren't really innovating uh, to the point where it resonated with our clients um, and our key stakeholders. And so the annual meeting is a tremendous opportunity. One is it keeps our practice members on task that, hey, this is something that's important to them and it's a way to showcase and to have access to members of the C-suite in today's environment of healthcare, where really a partnership is such a successful business model, having that access and gaining trust. Trust is one of the things that is so hard to get, but is easily lost. Mm -hmm. And having the annual report allows us to stay on task, keep that trust, enhance that trust, strengthen that trust. And it's almost in that sense become, uh, I guess over time, you, I, I mentioned it was a scorecard, a way of checking off things. It's, it's kind of morphed into a guide of sorts. I think that's what you're characterizing there is it's a guide and, an, and, a, and almost a touchstone uh, to show where, where you've been and where you're going. I, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I, um, that's if I understand correctly, it sounds like that's where you guys are now with that. Um, 
So I guess, um, how is the, speaking of evolving, how has the matrix evolved since you first introduced it, you know, uh, beyond what, the way I just said it, uh, you know, what impact has it had on your practice, would you say? Absolutely. So nothing ever stays the same. And so how many people still have the same cell phone that they did a decade ago? Um, or even if they had a cell phone a decade ago. Um, Good question. And so, so things will continue to change. And as such, things that are important in radiology will also continue to change in healthcare. And so there have been a couple category um, additions and adjustments over the past several years. So I've actually now, um, we're in now in our third version of the value-added matrix. And some of the key things that have been added over the last eight years we now have a category on physician well-being, and we track some activities related to that. We also have categories on diversity as well as population health, which certainly have been important for many years and decades, but it, they've been now added to the matrix. And peer review has sort of been transitioned to peer learning. And so the matrix was never meant to be stagnant and was never meant to be a one size fits all. And it can be tailored to each individual practice, but it's also meant to represent uh, an accurate estimation of what is important in radiology in the field of medicine at a particular point in time. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And again, I, I mentioned earlier that, that we wrote a couple of case studies, the most recent of which, uh, just to let folks know if they'd like to read more in depth, we actually link, uh, and that's forthcoming. It's not, as we tape this, it's not quite published yet, but it should be in the next uh, week or two. Um, we actually linked to the 2018 annual report in there. And as part of that, and I think we're going to be pulling it out just, just to make the, the point, uh, the actual scorecard is in there. And then you, like you said, you go into depth and, and people can really look at that at their leisure and, and hopefully iterate on it for themselves. Um, so I guess building on that, how has the matrix affected <clears throat> you and your role as a practice leader and, and even as a, uh, now a member of the, the health system board at Beacon, uh, Beacon Health? Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned, trust is one of the hardest things to obtain and maintain, but easy to lose. And similar to that is access and opportunities. And so starting with the matrix back in 2012 and through various iterations and continuing showing and being sort of the leader of the program during this time really has allowed a greater trust and greater access and opportunities such as being invited to be on the hospital board of directors because people now understood the real value that a radiologist and that our practice was able to bring, um, not only on a local level, but also on a national level too and sharing the message nationally. So that to me has been probably the biggest surprise. I never anticipated all of this because I assumed all radiologists were doing this, mm. but to me, that is the three biggest things are trust, access, and opportunity. And, but it can't be a one, you can't be a one hit wonder. You have to continue to do this on an annual basis, nor do you have to do it alone. And uh, I think that has been the biggest uh, benefit is our leadership sees that this is not just about me. It is not just about one person or two people or three people, but the entire team. And I think that has been a tremendous benefit, not only to myself, but also there's been benefits to other practice members too that have ascended to leadership positions also. 
That's so interesting. You talk about team I, and I know the matrix, this, again, talk about evolution and things you've added over time. I know the matrix has helped motivate members of your practice to become more involved in the Indiana state chapter. Uh, I think uh, in the early years, you are weren't quite as involved and uh, this maybe helped you motivate you guys to, to see the bigger picture in lots of ways. Uh, one of which was uh, maybe becoming a little more involved in the state chapter to uh, not only just to, to learn things, but also to, to maybe help recruit younger physicians to join your practice. And I think um, if you could talk a little bit about You've talked a lot so far about internal benefits of such a matrix, but outward outward facing benefits too. Can you talk about maybe the you know the um, recruitment piece of all this? Absolutely, and it's been a boon. It's a, it's a two, been a two way street, and so not only to help the field of radiology and help other radiologists and other practice members how they can potentially implement something like this in their program, and then share it locally within the state, and so. Um, we only have one radiology training program in the state of Indiana. Mm. And so um, that's where I did my residency and fellowship. So to be able to maintain close ties, and that's where our our Indiana state chapter meeting is also at. So to meet other people from private practice, to meet others uh, from the academic practice, and having the residents come there, they've been able to see what we've been able to do. And it's helped them as they look at their job opportunities, wherever their career uh, um, sends them, mm -hmm. they can start asking questions about where they're going. And in fact, we've actually been successful in recruiting several members to our practice. And because they've seen what our practice is about, they've heard about the matrix, they've seen presentations. And so it's been beneficial to the state chapter and vice versa, it's helped us recruiting too. Mm -hmm. I know some of your colleagues I spoke to about uh, when I was interviewing for that case study, um, they, they were really, uh, they were really so gratified. There's so much gratification coming from them about the fact that they were, it's such an easy way to share practice culture. Uh, what, I mean, you just look at the score, all you have to do is look at that scorecard and you can see at a glance the, the stuff that you most value at any given time, not, not all, you know, it evolves. But I just thought that was so interesting to have such a handy um, way to, to, to do that. Um, speaking of the, if we could just stay on the future for a minute, um, you know, given the gaining importance of value-based care in medicine uh, and, and all we've, we're, you know, that's coming from CMS and elsewhere, um, how do you anticipate the matrix will help you demonstrate value, particularly when it comes to things like shared risk reimbursement arrangements that might emerge in the near future and some of which are actually already here? Absolutely. And with regards to greater value-based payments, um, shared risk arrangements, there's a couple benefits of having a program uh, like ours that might help practices during negotiations or entering into those relationships. One is the time component mm -hmm. is there is so much that is involved in imaging beyond interpretation, uh, accreditation, follow-up, um, you know, tracking adverse events, uh, utilization management. There's so many components to that. And utilizing something such as time-driven activity-based costing, where one can actually track all of these things that are occurring behind the scenes, that can help during negotiations. Mm -hmm. On the output side, having outcomes measurements and how the imaging impacts and having that data, how it impacts population health, how it impacts utilization management, 
having that sort of data can help on the output side. So those two things, the time involved of everything that we do, and then also the outputs, the outcomes for each of these activities really helps when entering into shared uh, risk arrangements and value-based care. And, you know, uh, just you're talking there uh, made me think we haven't even talked about the nuts and bolts of how, of how you translate um, the, all the non-RVU-based um, uh, work you do or the, the non-kind of imaging uh, work that you do into a language that C-suite representatives can easily understand, a lot of which is dollars, like bottom line. We don't have to get into like the weeds on that. And, and a lot of that, again, is in those case studies I keep alluding to, but um, just on a very surface level, um, what, what, how did you crack that code? Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, is how to convert, um, you know, it's basically time and money and, and then outcomes. Mm. And so if we look at the time input, um, we're a contracted service, so uh, we're not employed by the health, our health systems or our clients. So the amount of hours that we put in to generate a particular outcome, those are savings to the healthcare system Correct. because the imaging scanners, the equipment never stopped producing images. And so it is actually a benefit for our health system to in fact actually not employ us because they're getting the benefits of all the investment of time that we're putting in. But so that's one aspect. And the other aspect would be is, is to calculate the actual amount of time. So let's say um, if an average radiologist, if we assume um, the average reimbursement for a radiologist per hour, let's say if you assume is let's say $200, for instance, and that's just an example. Well, if a radiologist put in, let's say 10 hours of value added activities, and that's actually about $2,000. But you can imagine now, if you extrapolated that to an entire practice, a thousand hours, 10,000 hours, you can see that the actual costs and savings to a healthcare system is tremendous <laughs> because they get the output and the benefits of all those activities, attending conferences for their cancer accreditation program, being on hospital committees, which are important to running of their facilities, that is just one way to quantify some of the savings related to the time that radiologists put into that. And you're building expertise all along the way, which sometimes is hard to put a value uh, amount on. So that's that's so interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, while it's comprehensive, it's also very straightforward. So again, hopefully, uh, you know, at the end of the day, other other practices will follow your lead. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about COVID-19. I think some people might be wondering in the back of their minds, did that change anything about the, either the composition of the matrix or the, the timing of everything? Because so much got thrown off last year. And I think, and I wonder, uh, I don't ask this just as a time capsule question because, you know, heaven forbid we should have another one of these pandemics or a big disaster. You know, how, how limber and how nimble is the matrix? So, Again, the matrix was really sort of as a guide for us as a way to define and categorize all the things that we do. And with 2019, uh, with uh, the pandemic of 2020 with COVID-19, some activities, so such as the volume of imaging studies significantly went down. Mm -hmm. um, however, during that particular time, because of the trust that we had and because of so many of our practice members were involved in leadership activities, across multiple health systems, being involved in those leadership positions, COVID-19 really required us to really rethink a lot of things 
be involved in high level meetings because rapid change needed to occur. Mm -hmm. So in fact, actually, while the volume of studies went down, the conferences and some activities went down, other things actually went up, such mm -hmm. as executive meetings with client leaderships. Hey, how are we going to address you know, patient safety and uh, physician safety and associate safety? And so those required more meetings and stuff than we typically would normally have. Mm -hmm. And so some people were actually involved in more meetings mm -hmm. during April and May of last year when the imaging volume significantly plummeted. And so, so that's where really uh, the categories of leadership and executive meetings in the matrix, those hours in fact actually went up significantly hmm. while other things such as conferences and other committees went down. But again, um, that just shows that having those relationships, being involved with all those value-added activities in the five to 10 years before the pandemic really helped during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, laying that foundation. So it's never too soon to start. If you don't already have those really good relationships in place, I think what I'm getting from you is there's no better time than now to start that laying the groundwork. And the matrix is a terrific way to first step to do that. Um, speaking of first steps, what if someone were to, and, and I don't think this is probably confined to radiology, right? I mean, lots of different specialties or primary care, whatever, can probably create a, a matrix of their own, I would imagine. It's not too many limiting factors. So that being said, um, what, what would be the first step someone could take if they wanted to develop a value-added matrix? Absolutely. And you're right, uh, Chris, it's applicable to other specialties and uh, radiology, because we just have such a massive footprint in the field of medicine, um, no specialty sees more patients than we do. So aside from the traditional work of a radiologist and interpreting images, we're involved in so many touch points in the healthcare ecosystem. And so one way that let's say um, the matrix can even be applicable to an individual radiologist, a couple of radiologists within a practice, a subspecialty, um, in a practice, an entire practice. And so one easy way is to really uh, think about what are some of the activities, the most common activities that we do that aren't related to a billable CPT code, but involves a significant portion of our time. Mm -hmm. And I would say start out with just writing down a list of two or three things. And oftentimes the things that'll come to mind would be meetings, committees, conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, and then other things such as accreditation, um, engagement with technologists, those are typically the very most common things. And then try to think about quantifying how to do that. Most practices now typically will utilize some sort of scheduling software or scheduling system. And they'll typically include things such as co uh, conferences, committees. Mm -hmm. um, and so that may be one way to easily extract and say, hey, how many committees did we do last year? How many conferences did we do last year? You'll be surprised by the actual sheer number. And mm -hmm. that will be a great first step. And then I would just say, having buy-in from leadership and just say, maybe adding one activity every two to three months that we're going to track. And, you'll, and every person or practice will, um, will see an explosion <coughs> in how much value that their practice is already doing without having to ask members to do more. 
Very cool. And then, and then, like we talked earlier, you kind of convert that into language that the C-suite can easily understand and you're off to the races. That's great. So I, I guess for, for you, I mean, what <clears throat> you've already alluded to things like population health management, things like, um, where, you know, uh, I guess there, there are probably two or three, at least new, new things you added to the, to this scorecard this year. Um, what is the future of the matrix? Uh, and I guess, you know, what areas of medicine do you anticipate over time will gain a higher profile in the matrix? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, interesting is, and it's an exercise that I do uh, annually. And, you know, I challenge other people to do is if you have a particular calendar year, how much of what occurs during the calendar year, okay, on December 31st, you knew what happened during the previous 365 days. How much of what happened during that year could you have predicted on January 1st of that mm, year? Right. And if we look at just say 2020, uh, <clears throat> COVID-19 pandemic. Forget about it, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so while I don't have a crystal ball and can say what the future holds, I will, I can definitely say that, um, you know, Aristotle said this best, uh, obviously a long time ago, the soul never thinks without an image. Mm. And so imaging will always be, um, you know, involved in healthcare and in, um, taking care of individuals. And so while I don't know exactly what will be involved and what specific, I think what the matrix shows, the definition of a matrix is something from which something else develops. Mm. And so it's important to be nimble and remember to maybe look at the matrix on an annual basis and say, hey, are all of these things still relevant in the field of radiology? And as opposed to maybe necessarily knowing what new act categories are going to be in there, maybe to what should be involved is having dedicated time every year to say, hey, let's reflect on this. Do we need to add or change anything? And I think that is the most important piece. While it may not be the content, which is certainly important, but the important, the most important aspect is not to put it on a bookshelf or somewhere and forget about it. Definitely look at it every year. The living document. A living, words. working, breathing document. There we go. Probably the best way to look at it because whoever thinks they can predict three, four, five years into the future it is extremely challenging. Absolutely, especially now more than ever, as we've seen. Well, Dr. Patel, it's been so awesome talking to you today. Where can people find you online if they do want to continue this conversation and maybe get some pointers from you? Um, yeah, so uh, so I am on, on uh, LinkedIn, um, uh, Samir Patel, uh, MD, and I'm also on uh, Twitter, at Samir Patel underscore MD. Absolutely, that's great. So everyone, I encourage you to reach out. Uh, and also just, just for our viewers to, uh, just to put a fine point on it, we've got two, we actually technically have three case studies about your practice, two of which are predicated on the, the matrix itself. So I encourage everyone to go to acr.org forward slash imaging three to read those uh, and get more in depth uh, understanding. Uh, also, if you, uh, to our, to our audience, if you have any ideas for future show topics, please let us know. So on Twitter, uh, at, at radiology ACR. Um, I also invite you to watch all of our uh, archived episodes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, and please be sure to subscribe to ACR's YouTube channel uh, to see our latest episodes. Uh, thank you so much again, Dr. Patel, and we really appreciate your time today. 
And, and thank you so much to our listeners. This has been the ACR Bulletin Podcast. See you next time.